Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. Following is the master's article from our June 2018 trestle board. Belief. The attention of the aspirant is drawn on his first admission to the temple and even before the ceremony of initiation is commenced. The principle involved goes much deeper than is suspected by the majority of the brethren. In the outer world, almost every man holds strong convictions of some kind or another. We apply our knowledge to every scenario we face. It takes a while for a candidate to transform their way of thinking and implement a new train of thought. This does not suggest that Freemasonry wishes to change a man from what he is, but rather to open his mind to change his ways on his terms. Self-evident and or self-realized truths will confirm every man's belief. At first, each initiate looks for the layman explanation of life or their purpose, only to find that the answer is much more concealed than originally thought. Also, that the answer does not exist within Holy Scripture, a group of men, or an esoteric trestle board. It exists within the candidate himself. There is no simple formula which can be expressed in words as capable of giving satisfaction full and without evasion, equivocation, or mental reservation to more than a very small minority whom have this belief, and it takes time to reveal this self-realized truth. The initial desire we have when first joining this craft should always remain and never dwindle. Continuing with our original questions, there is definitely a common denominator to which all systems, whether religious, philosophic, scientific, or other, may be referred to be tested for their content of truth. There can be only one truth. All systems are but partial expressions of this. Studies and accentuations of one or more of its facets as it reflects the will, the wisdom, and the active craftsmanship of the great architect of truth. Fraternally yours, Eric F. Jenkins, Master. Following is the Senior Warden's article from the June 2018 Trestle Board. From the West. Greetings and salutations, ladies and brethren. In Part 5 of looking at the Grand Lodge 2020 Strategic Plan, we will be looking at the first couple of bullet points under Memorable and Meaningful Degrees. Ritual experience is our most cherished custom. Its teachings transform members' lives. We make meaningful ritual experiences by making each degree a unique experience and celebrating members' as they progress through degrees. Making each degree a unique experience is the job of the coach, the officers performing the degree, and the sideliners as well. In the case of the second and third degrees, the coach should be working with the candidate to ensure the candidate understands what he has gone through before, has fully learned his proficiency, and is ready for his next degree. The coach should be building it up but not overselling it, so the candidate is looking forward to the experience. The officers performing the degree have the responsibility and duty to know their lines and their floor work and to ensure the degree is the best they can do. It is their responsibility and duty to show up to practices and to put the time in on their own to ensure they know the work. It is their duty to show up at OSI and learn the proper way to do the work. 
In fine, it is the officers who have the ultimate responsibility to make each degree a unique experience, and it is up to the master to call off a degree at the last minute if it cannot be properly performed. Better to postpone it than perform it poorly. The sideliners have a part in this as well. The sideliners have the responsibility to quietly enjoy the degree without commenting, talking, correcting, interrupting, or in any other way distracting the officers or the candidate from the task at hand. If an officer misses a line, forgets a word, or pauses to catch his thought, it is not for the sideliners to jump in and help. There should be a designated prompter who has that responsibility. If the officer's coach is not available, the master can designate a past master to perform this function, and it should be this person and no others who do the prompting. I am sure we all have a story of a bad degree because something went wrong. By following the points above, we can all work to minimize these instances. Celebrating members as they progress through degrees is another area that has come under much focus of late. We speak so much of the importance of degrees that the last thing we want to do after degree is close in short form and then have everyone scatter as soon as the gavel is dropped. Every degree should be celebrated, and the candidate should know how important this is to him and the lodge. How this is done may be different from person to person, and if we truly are getting to know our candidates and having them become friends before they become brothers, then we should have a pretty good idea of how they want to celebrate, and if you aren't sure, just ask. One great idea I recently heard at the Masters and Wardens Retreat wasn't only for degrees, but the idea works great, especially after degrees. After the gavel drops, the entire lodge meets in a circle around the altar, and then, starting with the master and working down the line, every man shakes the hand of every other man there and thanks him for being there. We practice this after this section of the retreat, and what a great way to end a session. I will be suggesting this at our state of meeting and subsequent degrees, so, if the master approves, you will see it in action soon. May brotherly love and peace prevail. Aaron Reddick, Past Master, Senior Wharton. From the South A good story. A young man passed a pawnbroker's shop. The moneylender was standing in front of his shop, and the young man noted that he was wearing a large and beautiful Masonic emblem. After going on a whole block, apparently lost in thought, the young man turned back, stepped up to the pawnbroker, and addressed him. I see you're wearing a Masonic emblem. I'm a Freemason, too. It happens that I'm desperately in need of $25 just now. I shall be able to repay it within 10 days. You don't know me, but I wonder whether the fact that you are a Freemason and that I'm a Freemason is sufficient to induce you to lend me the money on my personal note. The pawnbroker mentally appraised the young man who was clean-cut, neat, and well-dressed. After a moment's thought, he agreed to make the loan on the strength of the young man being a Freemason. Within a few days, the young man repaid the loan as agreed and ended that transaction. About four months later, the young man was in a lodge receiving the entered apprentice degree. He had not really been a mason when he borrowed the $25. After he had been admitted for the second section of the degree, the young man looked across the lodge room and saw the pawnbroker from whom he had borrowed the $25. His face turned crimson and he became nervous and jittery. He wondered whether he had been recognized by the pawnbroker. Apparently not, so he planned at the first opportunity to leave the lodge room and avoid his benefactor. As soon as the lodge was closed, he moved quickly to the door, but the pawnbroker had recognized the young man, headed him off, and to the young man's astonishment, approached him and greeted him with a smile and outstretched hand. Well, I see you weren't a Freemason after all when you borrowed that $25, the pawnbroker commented. The blood rushed to the young man's face as he stammered, No, I wasn't, but I wish you'd let me explain. I had always heard that Freemasons were charitable and ready to aid a brother in distress. When I passed your shop that day, I didn't need that $25. I had plenty of money in my wallet, 
When I saw the Masonic emblem you were wearing, I decided to find out whether the things I'd heard about Freemasonry were true. You let me have the money on the strength of my being a Freemason, so I concluded that what I had heard about Masons was true, that they are charitable, that they do aid brethren in distress. That made such a deep impression on me that I presented my petition to this lodge, and here I am. I trust that with this explanation you will forgive me for having lied to you. The pawnbroker responded, Don't let that worry you too much. I wasn't a Freemason when I let you have the money. I had no business wearing the Masonic emblem you saw. Another man had just borrowed some money on it, and it was pretty. I put it on. It was so pretty that I put it on my lapel for a few minutes. I took it off the moment you left. I didn't want anyone else borrowing money on the strength of my being a Freemason. When you asked for that $25, I remembered what I had heard about Masons, that they were honest, upright, and cared for their obligations promptly. It seemed to me that $25 wouldn't be too much to lose to learn if what I had heard was really true. So I lent you the money, and you repaid it exactly as you said you would. That convinced me that what I had heard about Masons was true, so I presented my petition to this lodge. I was a candidate just ahead of you. This is an article from the New Mexico Freemason in 1977, shared by Carlos Diaz, Jr., Past Master and Junior Warden. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.